Well, it really is good to be back. It's hard to believe that, that last week after I said amen and I exit out the building, I was never going to be back again for the rest of the week. That's how hard this flu hit. But I'm here. And so are you here to fight another day. But not just to fight aimlessly, but you are victorious. And the enemy didn't know that. And just in case he didn't know that, we have just reminded him, by the way, that in spite of all the things we are going through, in spite of the emotional state we're supposed to be in, yet we can still offer praise and worship to our great God. There's nothing that puts your circumstances into priority that when you worship and praise God, in spite of the chains and shackles that surround your feet, you have no idea the confusion it causes. Some of the demons that have been assigned to your life that is causing havoc in your life for the whole week had to just double check to make sure, is this the same person that I was tripping up from Monday right up until Saturday because now they're praising this God. Something is not right. You have done something here that I, I don't know. So you're causing confusion in the enemy's camp. So never take your praise and your worship lightly. There's something that the enemy is trying to prevent you from. There's something that he's trying to distract you from. That's an old trick that he uses. And you will know the closer you are, or the bigger the breakthrough, the bigger the distraction. That is why a lot of times as believers, we make the mistake by giving this distraction our full attention. In actual fact, look at the size and the magnitude of your Goliath, and then you will see the kingdom that God has in store for you, little David. But we fixate on this Goliath that the enemy puts in our path, forgetting who we are inside. I've realized that whatever the enemy places at my doorstep, it just gives God an excuse to shine through me. That's what it does. It just gives him an opportunity to take a brag. You've hit him with your best shot. You've hit her with your best shot. They are still standing, but because of me. Hallelujah. And that is why we take these praise breaks and why we worship God. Because we're just bragging about this God that loves us so much. The best of it is that we don't deserve it. It's not like I have done A, B, and C and now God is loving me. No, He loves me anyway. He does what He does anyway. There's nothing that I can do to qualify myself for that. He just does it. That is the magnitude of His love. And in this difficult time, I was sitting and thinking and Lord, what what is going on here? You know, I have the faith. And then I asked, Lord, why is the devil attacking me? And then God told me, he asked me, what makes you think it's an attack? And I thought, Lord, what, what, what do you mean now? The Lord gave me this revelation. God told me that because the devil is prideful, he only knows attack. Even when he needs to defend, he's not going to defend. He's going to attack all the time. So God posed the question, you think it's attack. Maybe you should see that you're close to the breakthrough and this is the devil's defensive weapon that is pushing through you. But because he's too prideful and he doesn't know he's beaten, he's just going to attack and attack and attack and he's becoming so desperate. A lot of times the enemy's attack that is giving you, it's actually his defense. He doesn't know what to do. So his best defense is his attack. He doesn't know anything else. So the devil's only battle strategy is attack. So when all hell breaks through, it's a sign that he's actually on the defense. We give the devil too much power when he does whatever he wants to do in our life or tries to do whatever he wants to. We need to put him at his rightful place, which is right below here. Right here. Whatever size, this is a size 9. Whatever your size, even if it's a size 2, 3, 4, this is where he belongs. Nowhere else. You keep it there and you don't lift up because that is where he belongs and that's where he needs to stay. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, put on. Somebody say, put on. It means you're going to have to go and put it on. You're not going to stand like this and it's just going to happen. You have to put it on. Put one on, pastor. Put on the armor of God. What is the armor for? Is it for fashion? Are you going to, oh, look at this, my breastplate of righteousness. Look at my shoes. No, you're not at canal walk. It's, Armor is meant for battle. Armor is meant for war. And why do you put on the armor? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Stand. There's times where he gets you and you're just on one knee, but you will stand if you have the armor. Even though you fall seven times, yet you will rise up again if you have the armor. 
Never ever walk out of the doors of your house wherever you go, not dressed in the armor. And being dressed in the armor is not saying the armor, it's realizing what the armor, the pieces of it is. Walking in that revelation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation. When you realize what that is, now when you say it, that sends shudders in the enemy's camp. Hallelujah. So Psalm 144 verse 1 to 2 says, Praise be the Lord, my rock, I love the scripture, who trains my hand for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress and my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. So God is there and is constantly what he's doing. He's training you. And what is he training you for? Not so that you can say, oh, I've arrived at this level today. Uh, last week I was at that spiritual level. Today, look at me. Take a good look. Uh, this is where I am today. No. Your training, when you're sitting here, you are in training. Why? It's because when you step out of there, brothers and sisters, there's a war going on. Whether you see it or not. I've realized the power of things that is not seen. How a virus that I cannot see causes so much havoc in my body. The very same applies to your spiritual walk. There's a lot of things you don't see, but it causes havoc in your life. It causes stumbling blocks. It causes your breakthrough not to be there. You need to realize that I'm being trained for war. And you will always get a little bit of a hint of the enemy you're facing by the training God is giving you. God never gives you anything from this word that is useless and doesn't, and is not practically applicable to your life right now. Whatever he gives you, you're going to need now. So if he gives you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean up on your understanding, if he gives you that, you better know there's going to be something that's going to come on my path from Monday to Friday or to Saturday that's going to require me to trust him. I want to declare to you today that you are built to last. You, you, you are built. You are formed in the image of God. An image goes beyond the way you look. A lot of people think, oh, I'm, I'm the image of God. So... Hands, feet, that, that is image. No, image requires everything. It's the character and everything. The person of God, everything is placed inside of you. That is why we can, the Bible says we're growing to the perfection of Christ. Because it's already here, you're growing towards that. That is the image that is inside of you. So you are meant to last. The devil wishes you would go somewhere. For some of you, the moment you wake up, the devil says, ah, he's awake. She's awake. Oh no, here we go again, guys. She's awake. Uh, here we go. And that should be our goal. The devil, when he, when he sees and he hears our footsteps getting out of the bed and, you know, getting ready, he knows he's in for a, a heck of a day. Because we know who we are and we are walking in that. And whenever we see him, he knows his place already. So if we see him from a distance, we call him, hello, you know you're always your place, eh? Come, come, you, you know, come, come. And that is, that, is, that is the attitude. Is that arrogance? No, it's confidence. Because I know who I am. So nobody's going to tell me who I'm not. I know who I am. You see, a lot of people, we think that confidence has to do with the, the material things I have and the, and the social status I have. No. Confidence is simply put, knowing who you are, not budging from that, and being confident and happy in who you are. When you're there, no man can say whatever, no woman can say whatever, because you will just be content, because this is who I am. And if you don't like me, it means you are the one that has the problem. So mankind has been designed with this inherent ability to outlast and overcome any adversity. Any. If you look at God's created image, it's very little to do with his appearance, but more to do with character and mindsets and things like this. Some biblical examples of man's overcoming instinct and the reason why this message has birth when you're out in the battlefield you are going to face a battle and this message is designed to know that when you're out there expect the enemy to come at you he's not gonna play nice just because oh because you now have your act together as a believer and you now know who you are so he's just gonna do this no you're going to have to walk forcefully, brother. You're going to have to push your way through him. If you resist him, he has to flee. But resist, brother. The Bible doesn't say when you walk and you just go. It says resist him, which means he's going to come. 
and he's going to come, and he's going to come. But the more I resist, the more legal right I have for him to go and flee. But you're going to have to fight the fight. But I want to show you that what's inside of you is greater than that fight that's outside of you. So the first one is Genesis 11 verse 1 to 9. And it says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5, and here is where you need to take note. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And look at the Lord's response in verse 6. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. This is God that is saying this. The picture you need to get that God knew that if I leave this people alone, nothing will be impossible for them. But that is the inherent nature that's inside of you. Look at your daddy. Not your daddy on the earth, your daddy in heaven. Look at him. Look at the way he designs that creativity is inside of you. I always joke with, with Denver and Caleb. Caleb is Denver's mini-me. If you look at them, they're the same. The same character traits. All of those things. The same giving heart. All of those things. And why is that? Because that's Denver's son and that is Caleb's father. So automatically the quality traits fall over. The same with you, you and your children. I'm sure there must have been moments where you sat and, they, and you just listened from the kitchen. Yo, that sounds just like me, eh? My word. Because they pick up things and they become like you, whether they want to or not. There was a lot of times when I said, I'm never going to do like my mother. I'm never going to be like that the way my father is. And now I hear my parents when I speak. And I'm sure the same with the artist. Because, hey, oh my word. It sounded just like mommy now, eh? Wow. In verse 7 it says, Come let us go down and confuse the language so that they will not un- be able to understand each other. So we know the story. But in here you see, very early in the Bible, we see and we get a glimpse of what man is capable of. And God knows that man is capable of this. So he had to put certain things in place because it's a bit too early. Don't, don't do those things now. Just wait, just wait. And then the next one, we have the Israelites who were... In Egypt, they were under slavery. All of this was terrible for many years. But they persevered. They pressed on. Even to the point where their population grew more than those that they were serving. That speaks volumes. You have to have a certain mindset that you do not give up. That you realize that even though this is difficult, this is not permanent because salvation is coming soon. We're going to be set free. So let's just do what we need to do. Even though it's difficult, they really treat us badly. But let us just do what we need need to do. So they persevered through this. And then we get a famous story that we know in Daniel 3 verse 16 to 18. There's another 3.16. And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But look at verse 18, and that's what I love. shows the spirit of man. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the God you have set. Now it's one thing to have confidence when you know the thing is going to happen. But when you don't even know that God's going to come through and you still have a big mouth, that shows what's happening inside here. That shows me that it's gone beyond head knowledge and it's gone to revelation that I know the God that I serve, that even if I perish here today, I still don't perish. Now what you need to understand that King Nebuchadnezzar really can't compare him to people in power in this day and age. He was a guy on his own level. And for you to speak to him like that, With that confidence uh, to speak to this king, Nebuchadnezzar, like that, to say, look, our God is going to deliver us. But even if he does, your majesty, he's still polite, and he says, your majesty, we're still not going to do it. 
He's still not going to bow down to you. So mankind has been gifted with an inherited ability for overcoming seeming difficulties. It's built inside of us. This is what I want you to understand. Is that it's built inside of you. Where, Pastor, you must just find it. Find it. It's there. It's built inside of you. Victory is built inside of you. It's like a transformer. When you need it, then things shift around and then there we go. It's over there. But many of us, we don't realize what lies inside of us. We don't realize that when this thing comes on my doorstep, I don't have to go down and in defeat. I can actually challenge this thing. I can actually overcome this thing. We don't realize that. Do you know you don't have to accept defeat? Defeat is a choice. When you give up, it's not because God can't. It's because you made the choice to give up. You made a choice to say, I throw in my towel. I give up on this. I give up on that person. I give up on whatever. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. That's what I want you to understand this morning. You don't have to give up, brother. You don't have to give up, sister. Press on. Press on. Press on. Eventually, you are going to wear the devil down. Isn't that a nice turnaround? Instead of him wearing you down, you wear him down. Persist. Persist. Why do you think the Bible says that he flees? He flees because you make him tired. That he says, I'm not going to get my way. Let's just go. And not go in any way. Let's flee because this, this person is crazy. So there's a fight that resides within us all. Waiting to be unleashed on any circumstance. It's like somebody walking with a spit in the road. Nobody's going to law with you. Because they know if they law with me, I just let it go. And you let it go, and there we go. That's what you are like in the spirit. You have this putty walking around you here. And you know, you, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Anybody laws with you? There we go. Sick him. Sick him. There we go. It's almost like we're walking with a chihuahua. And as soon as the trouble comes, we pick up a chihuahua and we run away. Do you realize who you are walking around? And you know, many people have told stories where they face certain things or they face gangsters and the gangsters see somebody behind them. And they go, that's the pit bull. The word that God has given in your spirit, that's the pit bull. Release it. Don't be afraid. Many of you walking around he doesn't know what to do because you're fighting the battles all on your own you're doing everything on your own just release him let it go let that word go release that fight in your spirit let it go stop bowing down to the enemy's tactics and giving up all the time fight him you are going to win let me just tell you you are going to win i'm not hyping you up that's what it says in my Bible. You are a winner. I know how the story ends, man. I know how the story ends. The devil can't give me anything. He can give me whatever circumstance. I will look at it and see what is happening. But I was just reminding, that's nice, but you, you know, obviously know how it ended, right? <laughs> and that's what you need to remind this guy the whole time. Remind him. Because he's going to try and intimidate you. That's all that he can do. But if you just reject him, reject him, reject him, you are going to be victorious because it's built inside of you. And the best thing I love about it is that because the devil didn't give it to you, the devil can't take it away from you. He can't take the fight away from you because it's not his to take away. God gave it to you. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. For me, it's the saddest thing to see when one believer encourages another believer, but as soon as that believer encourages that one, walks away, and the very similar thing comes on that believer's doorstep, they can't use the very same thing that they encouraged. We find it so easy, and I think it's to do because 
when you are not involved in the circumstance, it's easy for you to see it for what it truly is. But it's another thing when you in everything and now it looks different, hey? But imagine you can just realize and take yourself out of it. The perspective you need to have is the problems that is on your doorsteps is problems that the enemy has sent there to you. So it does not belong to you. So take yourself out of it. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to it. Some of us, we are in circumstances we are because we own the trouble. We own the circumstance. We own the issues. It's not yours. It has been sent from the pit of hell straight to you. So just put a return to send the same thing on there and you send it back. It's not yours. But it's like when it comes, we wait and we wait. And as soon as it comes, we jump in. Yay, there we go. It's mine. This is mine. My trouble. This is my cross, pastor. That's not what the word means when it says you must bear your cross. No. We think when the word says you must bear your cross, it means that everything that comes your way is from God. Every negative thing is from the Lord. No, that's not what it means by bearing your cross. There's certain things that is not a cross to bear. It's a curse from hell. But we bear it and we think, oh, we're the good Christians because we're bearing this thing. In the meantime, you're delaying your growth. You're delaying the process all along. And there's people that you need to reach, but you can't reach them because you're bearing things that is not yours. In fighting to win, I'm going to identify five things. If you get these things in place, no matter what battle you fight, some of you battles tomorrow, some of you battle like I've learned as soon as you walk out the door, the battle's there. If you don't know what to use in this battle, you're not going to survive. I've seen many a believer who's strong in the Lord get stripped up by small things because they are not prepared. There is such a thing as being too super spiritual that you're not prepared for the enemy. Some people are so spiritual, but they are not relevant to the Lord. That means nothing. Prepare yourself. This God in this Bible that I read prepares you holistically, spiritually, materially, emotionally. It prepares you in every avenue. It leaves no gaps for the enemy. So if there's a gap, ha, you created it. You left it there. But God leaves no gaps, brothers. No gaps. We are the ones that just uh, looks at our... Christian life just as a spiritual thing, but it's supposed to touch every area of your life. Every area. You're standing in a line in spa. It's supposed to touch you like that. Yeah. You're supposed to, you're waiting for your wife for three hours doing the shopping. The Lord's supposed to touch you right there. You don't have to wait for the service. So the first one is you need a strong support system. You can't do it on your own. This is one of real lies. And God showed me, he woke me up and showed me, look who I have placed around you. And I really, I take my hat off to some of these people that God has placed around me because I feel so unworthy, but that is who God has placed there. And if you always want to see what God has in store for you, look around to who he has placed around you. And, I, and when I realized that, I became even more excited. Because there's people that I see around me of people of such caliber that I know that God wants it to rub off on me. He wants some of that on me. That is why he places these people. But you need a strong support system. And by support system, I'm going to refer to them as medics. If you look at the battlefield, when people go on the battlefield, they have the soldiers, but then they have the medics running behind them, slightly behind them. Medics don't usually carry guns. Some of them do, I don't know. But they have this backpack. They look different than everybody else. You can see that's on a soldier because he has so much things. But the medic, for me, is the bravest of them on the field. I've seen these movies. The bullets is flying. The man's not even protecting himself. He's running to the person and he's doing things like that. He's picking up arms that has fallen. While the bullets is flying, I've seen it. And I know it's not just in the movies. At least a soldier, when a guy shoots, I can duck and I can shoot back. A medic's not worried. He's worried about the patient. You need, do you have people like that in your life? People that's not worried about the bullets, they're worried about you. You are their priority. That's what a friend is. That's what an inner circle is. You don't need 50 people that likes you. You can count five people on your one. You can count on this hand. That's all you need, brother. You don't need a soccer team of friends every weekend. Half of them, are, they're just putting up with you. Do you have people that will take a bullet for you? Do you have? I can say I do. 
I've realized and I've always known it, but God has shown me I have people that will take a bullet for me. Some of them, a literal bullet, if they had an opportunity, I'm sure they would, as I would for them as well. But do you have people that will do that for you? The next thing is, you need tools, your weapons. You can't go out into the battlefield unarmed with good intentions and good motives. No soldier goes into the battlefield with good motives and intentions and thinks he's going to get the job done. You need tools. As spirit-filled as you are, I know you're praying tongues for three hours every day. I know that. But you need certain weapons for certain battles. There's certain things where you will realize prayer won't be as effective. Fasting won't be as effective. Then it's going to require some worship and some praise. And then that door opens. So you need to know the battle. And you need to ask, Lord, for this battle, what tools do you have for me? And God equips you. We depend too much on the things of yesterday, what, what happened yesterday, and we see it works. Now we take that and we apply it to everything. Imagine you try that with the locks on the car doors over here. Try that. For those of you who have your cars here, walk to any car and just try and open it with any key. It doesn't work. Certain keys are for certain doors. Certain tools are for certain areas of breakthrough. But we make the mistake because I've tried this one, it works, I'm comfortable. So I'm just going to try this thing everywhere. And when it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it takes effort for, for you to wait. It takes effort for that key to be forged and for God to hand you and say, for this one, my son and daughter, this key is going to work over there. But we want to forge our own things. And then we're going to go to, can I borrow your key? No, no, leave her key. What keys have God given you? I can go with my house with a big bunch of keys. Yes, a lot of keys. But I can almost promise you I can't go to Brother Colin's house and just try one of these. It's not going to work. But this is what we do. We walk around this, but ah, there's a door. Let me see. Let's start the process. It just doesn't work. You need to use what keys is for you. That's a manual's keys that opens things that God has placed in front of him. But I can't take it and borrow it for myself. God has given me a set of keys. What is yours? So what are the tools? And unfortunately, this is one of the things that in order for you to have the correct tools, you're going to have to spend the time to get to know the tools. And not only that, you're going to have to know the battle that you are facing. Some of us, the strategy that we use is we sort of turn a blind eye to the things that is coming, to the battles that we're facing, hoping that if I don't give it attention, it's going to go away. But what you are doing, you are putting yourself in a position where you are inadequately prepared. So when that thing does tap you on the shoulder and say, hello, I'm still here, you turn around and now you don't know what to do. You're sort of surprised. No, why? A lot of times it's fear. The enemy puts fear in your heart because maybe in the past it didn't work before you, when you didn't know the Lord, you failed in that area or you've seen a, fa a family member fail that way. And now when the same thing comes and knocks onto you, on your doorstep, you think, ah, oh, here it goes. But this is why this word is here this morning, to remind you there's victory. You are somebody that knows no defeat. I wish that God could, uh, you know, give us all a dream just to show us in this amount of years that we, are, that we have been on the earth, how many times he's actually behind the scene rescued us without us knowing. You'd be surprised in one day how many times the angels rescues you and you're walking in fear? Come on. Why? God has your back. He's got this. If your assignment on this earth was up, he would have come and fetched you already, my brother and sister. But the fact you're still walking around, it means that there is purpose inside of you. And God looks after what is his. He looks after until, look at Jesus' life. We all know the medical facts behind Jesus' crucifixion that he, would, he should not have lasted as long as he did. But God was just making sure that you just need to get to that point, my son. Come on, you stumbled again. Come on, you just need to get, there's the cross. Come on, you just need to get there. And then once it's done, then your purpose is done, then I'll come. Then I'll then take you. God works exactly the same with you. There's no tact of the enemy that will be able to prevent your destiny that God has given you from coming to fulfillment. No ways. But we operate as if that's a reality. It will knock you down. 
but not knock you out. You will just bounce back again like those things that you used to have that's weighted on the bottom and you hit it and it comes back again. Yeah, the devil gives you a shot and it goes back, but it comes back with more force. And that's what we need to realize that that is who you are. You only will lose if you want to lose. It's a choice. And if you make up your mind and say, I am a winner, I am not going to lose, guess what? As a man thinketh, so is he. Oh, but maybe I need to be a, a pastor to be able to speak like that. No, you can be saved today. If you are saved, you will give your heart to the Lord today. After this message, if I may call to call you, give your heart to the Lord. Right there and then, bam, all the tools has been given to you. And you can be victorious right now. From this moment now, you can be victorious. You don't need to attend a Bible seminar. You don't need to read the whole Bible first. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Are victorious so your tools is defined as this is something that is needed for you to for your success which you currently do not have that's how you identify a tool a tool is something that i see i need to get there and i realize when looking where i'm at i don't have that particular thing that's the tool you need to look out for that's what you need that's how you identify what a tool is it's something that i need for my success but i don't have some of the tools your weaponry like in these movies that you watch, some of it is a small little sword, a knife, it's easy to make. Some of it is this elaborate battle axes that takes a bit of time to make, but you are the one that's going to be forging it. God, like this, this medieval movies, they give you all the, the tools of the blacksmith, and he starts forging this thing, and he's sweating, and he's knocking. At the end of the day, he has this beautifully polished thing, but it didn't come in that form. That's what your tools often come. And you reject it because it comes in a form that you don't recognize. Take those things, sit down, sit with the Holy Spirit and like, Lord, you've, you've given me this, what do I need? And the Lord will start forging it in, the, in your heart. He will start forging it. And eventually when you stand up there, you will know exactly that I'm empowered. You can see from a mile off a believer who's walking with the right tools because they know I have the confidence because no matter what I face, I have everything on me. A shield, there we go. A sword, there we go. I have everything on me. So there's nothing devil that you can bring on my, on my doorstep that I'm not prepared for. So bring it. In actual fact, I'm going to go and find it if you don't want to bring it. But I'm ready for you. So you have the tools. But then you're also going to need the blacksmiths. These are the ones that sharpens your tools. There's certain tools that's, that's there for a season. But there's certain tools that you have for a lifetime. Because of your calling, you're always going to need to call on this particular tool. But what happens is the enemy, if he cannot take you out, he will try and blunten your tools, your swords, whatever. He will try and make that blade blunt so that when you use it, it's not as effective as it was. And you, the way you recognize it is this thing you used to do. Some of you used to pray with such fervency years back. But now when you pray, it doesn't seem to have the same type of power. It's not sharpened. It's still there. It's just not sharpened. You need to sharpen that thing. So you're going to need the blacksmiths. What are the blacksmiths? Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So God will place medics, but He will place blacksmiths that will come along and say, Brother, I see God showing me this particular thing in your life. I think this is what you need. And they will confirm the very thing that you know that you need. And they will begin to sharpen. That is why it's very important as a believer, no matter where you are, how you've grown, to never get to the place of pride where you are unteachable, where you can't be taught by anyone anymore. Once you get to a place where you can't be taught, you stop growing right there and you die. And like the way I always put it, once you get to that point, it's only a matter of time before you feel the wind of a new believer passing you by. You've been saved for 20 years. This person just came now, yesterday, and they, shoo, why? Because they don't have pride in their heart. Ask the devil. They had everything. They had everything. We are crying for instruments over here for musicians. He was a one-man band. But what happened? He was kicked out because of pride. The next one, number four, is you need a blueprint or the layout of the land. And the land is your destiny. So as God has given you a little hint, some of you might, for me, He's showing me pastoral, that is what I'm supposed to do. So he gives you a little hint, that's the land, this is the area I'm going to be busy in. So I need a blueprint as to what my area looks like. In terms of battle strategy, you always see the general sitting around with a map, 
And they're looking at it and saying, this is where the enemy is. This is where we are. I see there's a rock there. We can maybe use that. You can use that. And it helps you. It gives you a strategy. So it knows. And the reason why you need to know and survey the land is because if you don't survey it, you're not going to know when you're lost. And sometimes we're walking with everything. But we're walking so in a sort of far place. And you're wondering, why, why has it been 10 years? Because yes, you have. Yes, I have. I have everything. But because I didn't survey the land, I'm walking in the wrong direction. I'm walking this way. We're waiting for the attack. But I'm supposed to be there. But because I don't know my map, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And what I've learned of the enemy, he nudges you. That's all that he needs to do. And I spoke to you some, a while back on this principle that if you don't autocorrect all the time, like those airplanes that's flying that's on autopilot, I heard a gang on the radio that those planes are constantly autocorrecting because they can't just fly straight because the winds are blowing them all the time. So they're constantly recalculating and, and moving all the time like that in order for them to get to where they need to get to. Same with you. That is why your daily walk with the Lord is important. Don't do it the way somebody else is doing it. What is your requirement? For some people's requirement, it requires of them five hours in prayer. Two hours spending with the Lord. But maybe where you are at now, you need to start somewhere. You can't not have anything. That's what I'm trying to say. You can't have nothing. That's when the enemy, you are ticking time bomb waiting to explode. The enemy is actually, while you are not doing anything, guess what? He's doing something. He's busy surrounding you. Surrounding you while you're doing nothing. He's surrounding, placing all his pieces in the correct place. And then when you realize it's too late, you've been surrounded. And bam, now the party starts and you are not prepared. And then we end up, like in the battle, around you just swing and you do all of the, and you tire yourself out. And he knows he can't kill you. He knows he can't destroy your destiny, but he can delay you. He can hurt you. All of these things he can do. But as long as you're swinging, eventually you will come out of there. Might be 15 years later. 10 years later, you might have lost a couple of things that was yours, like the prodigal son. But it was unnecessary. And then the last one is, you need a constant awareness of your weaknesses. And this is what we don't like. I don't want to know what my weaknesses is. I want to focus on my strengths. Why? It's your strength. I've never understood this. If something is your strength, it means it comes out effortlessly. If speaking is your strength, I don't have to beg you to speak. I just give you a mic, sister, and two hours later, you will still be there. Because that is your strength. If you have a gifting for shopping, I don't have to beg you to buy something. I just give you a credit card and come back. The booth will be full. Because you have a gift for bargain hunting. <laughs> for seeing that big S. Always a sale must be from the Lord. So stop focusing on that. What you need to do is, the mental shift you need to make is, enjoy your strengths. Don't focus on it because if you focus on it too much, that strength develops a sense of pride in you anyway. Don't focus on it. Enjoy the strength. So I can do this. I'm enjoying it, Lord, for you. But what you need to focus on is what is my weakness. And I can promise you, you know what your weakness is. You might not want to say it. You might not want to acknowledge it. But you better be aware of it. Because your next point of attack, my brother, the enemy is not going to attack you where you're the strongest. You know that. He's going to attack you where you are the weakest. And this is why we are tripped up all the time because we're enjoying our strength so much that we don't spend time on our weaknesses. It should be a goal in your life to turn all the weaknesses to subtly shift it on a level where it almost becomes a strength. And eventually you get to the point where, and that is what the Bible is referring to when you grow to the perfection, where you have no weakness anymore. So your weaknesses must become less and less and less. Every weakness is a potential point enemy to, to, to attack you at. Is your weakness your temper? He's going to attack you there, brother. He's going to use your mother in the law. He's going to use uh, all sorts of things. He's going to use your, your money. He knows what trips you up. If money is an issue for you, if that's a weakness, ooh, you 
that burns a hole in your pocket, you just don't know what to do, then he's going he's gonna to attack your life. He's going to give you so much money and you're going to destroy yourself. Is power the thing that you can't handle? The moment you get a little power, then ooh, it goes to your head and that's a weakness. So the enemy will give it to you on a silver platter. Here you go. You want it? Here you go. He did it with Jesus. He tried to tempt Jesus with it. He's going to do the same with you. You need to know what your weakness is. And as you can hear, a lot of these things requires a lot of work. That's the five. It requires work from your side. And I'm hoping that you're seeing what will fix you is when you take this from here and you sit with it and you sit with yourself and you have to fix yourself. A pastor can't fix you. He can advise you. Prophet can advise you. All of these fivefold ministers can advise you, but they can't fix you. It's your responsibility. You have the have Christ in you, the hope of glory. What more do you need? You have everything inside of you. Christ hung on a cross and he said, he looked at everything. He looked at all of humanity. He looked into the future and he said, it is finished. They have everything that they need. But we are looking for everybody else to do everything for us. That's the world's mentality. The world comes and says, I'm going to sit down and you're going to serve me, impress me. If you look at everything in this world, it's designed to impress this cause, the, the, this, this thing, and then that thing, and then this thing. Everybody's competing. But Christ says, he says, I've come down from heaven to earth, and I've come to serve. And that is what resides inside of us. You see, you, you can't embrace the victory of Christ inside of you, but reject his servanthood. You can't reject that side of him. Yes, I want the victories. I want the abundant life, Lord. But when it comes to service, we're just throwing it down. No. His character is wanting to burst through you. I see it in some of you. I can hear the way your speech is changing. Christ is starting to move. He's, he's starting to prepare himself inside of you. He's saying, here we go. But you're going to have to give him free reign. That's why the Bible says, when you give your heart to the Lord, you become a new person. The person that you were is dead. You no longer live. In other words, you know, somebody who's dead doesn't have legal rights to things. They don't have legal rights to things. Same with you. You have no legal right over your life. Your life belongs to Christ. So it's like Christ has stepped inside of you. You are suit. Christ steps inside of you. And there we go. He continues what he started through you. But this is a very sensitive process. If you at any point reject it, then he's going to stand back and he's going to wait. So in closing, I want to close with James 1, verse 2 to 8. And now the scripture is put in such a nice context. Because for years, I know some of you must have been thinking, when you go through tests and trials, and if a brother or a sister or elder in the Lord just tells you to go to James, just tells you, count it all joy, brother, then you reject that whole message. I don't, don't tell me to count it as joy, but I don't want to count it as joy now. I want to be in my pity party. But this is why, after hearing everything that I've told you and reminding you of the victory that resides inside of you, that is waiting for you to release it. Now when you read this, James 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now you can count it as joy. For years, some of you must have been wondering about these crazy Christians that when they're going through so many things, it seems like the more they go through, the more happier they are. There's nothing wrong with them. There's actually something wrong with you if you don't go like that. They are fulfilling this scripture. They're counting it as joy because they know this thing is not here to take me out. I'm going to be victorious in the end. So this is just another thing that is coming on my path. Let me see how God is going to overcome this thing. That is not here to take me out. That is when you can count it as joy. Because can you imagine if you have that mindset, whenever something comes on your path, you sort of have this expectation that is inside of you that you know that as soon as it comes, you're going to step back and you're going to see how God is going to do it this time around. Can you imagine if that is your lifestyle? If that is my lifestyle, I, will, I can't wait for the next trial. Because now I know as soon as it comes, I step back. Lord, how, how are you going to... It's almost like watching a series, episode 2 here. Let's see. Wow, season 3. Lord, wow, this is amazing. 
Well, brother, what's wrong? Isn't the, didn't this happen? Yeah, no, but look at the Lord is doing. Uh, it's not even done yet, but I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't, which angle is he going to come from the roof? Which side is he coming from? I know he's coming from some angle, but he's going to get this thing done. That is why you count it as joy. But you can't count it as joy if you walk like somebody that has been defeated before the battle has started. The battle cry has just sounded. You can't even see the soldiers yesterday. They're just sounding the battle cry and you're already walking around in defeat. Then you can't count it as joy. But it's a personal thing. I can't force this joy on you. I can't force you to realize the victor that resides inside. I can't force that. If you don't want to see, if you don't want to acknowledge that you are victorious regardless of what, there's nothing I can do. And it goes on and says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives it liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Biggest spanner in the works in terms of things that derails our victory is doubt. When we doubt God, when we doubt what God has said we are supposed to do, when we just doubt Him and His Word, we get to a point that, ah, you know, I, I used to believe in this Bible. I, I, I used to believe in the things of God. I used to actually have an act of faith. But uh, because of what has happened, I, I, I no longer leave, believe it on the same level. And we actually get to the point where we actually begin to grow cold. Where you are seated here every Sunday. And I'm not saying it's you, but this is an example. You are sitting here every Sunday. But this word is not penetrating your heart. You are here just because... Oh, this is a Sunday and I'm supposed to be here. If I'm not here on a Sunday, then I, I feel a bit funny. Um, so I'm just going to be here just to get that funniness out of my way. Or if I'm not here, people are going to ask, brother, where are you? So to avoid that, I'm just going to be here. But other than that, um, I have the Bible on my lap, but it's not in my heart. Uh, when things come on my path, I'm going to try different things. I'm going to try my friends. I'm going to try and wallow myself into the, the world, into the media, into everything just to numb the pain. I'm not going to try the word of, of God. Double-minded. What does the Bible say? Yeah, that you, if you're double-minded, you will be unstable in all your ways. And don't, and even say so nicely, for let, verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That is tough. You see, God can't give you anything and place it on a platform of doubt. The seeds that comes from heaven don't grow in the, in the soil of doubt. How does the Bible say? Without faith, it's what? Impossible. That's what the Bible says. Impossible to please Him. But yet, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Don't doubt what God has placed inside of you this morning. Get out of the shell for many of you. You're in a shell. You're in a cocoon. You've been on the spiritual window shopping where you're on the other side of the window looking at the price. Thinking, ah, think, oh, that's too much. I'm just looking at, oh, that's nice. I, that, that, wow, look at that thing. That, that is really, I wish I could have it, but I'm just not there. Go in. That's yours. Purchase. The price has been paid. There's nothing that's on the shelves of destiny that you cannot have access to. You're limiting yourself because of disobedience because of you not wanting to obey christ because of uh, you, you your doubt because you're wanting to do it your way and if that is where you are at you cannot blame the lord because every page in this book that i read and you read every song that we sing reminds us of how victorious we are reminds us that no matter what comes on our path there is no defeat written in our destiny but if that's your lifestyle it means that you've chosen that that is not god's will for you defeat is not god's will for you to give up on your destiny is not god's will for you that is on you and when you get to that point if you are there accept that 
This is on me. Now correct it. Because regardless of what I've realized, imagine there was a, a deposit of diamonds here below this floor. Right over here is a deposit of diamonds. No, no matter how much rubble is around it, it will never diminish the value of the diamonds that's below this floor. So regardless of how much you've messed your life up, where it looks like a pile of rubble, like an like a ash heap, it will not diminish the value that resides inside or underneath the rubble. All that it takes is for you to say, I acknowledge that I've messed up my life. God comes, takes the bulldozer, there we go. And you pick up your diamond and you start walking in your destiny. For us, we're looking at the rubble and saying, sure, I've really messed up, right? And instead of fixing it, we sort of wallow it. And our entire life is just a story of us reminiscing of what we could have been and what we could have done and what we didn't do. All of these things. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you can do what God has ordained you to do. That dream that is inside of you, I don't care how old you are, as long as there's breath in your lungs, it can happen. And in actual fact, it's supposed to happen. That is why you are here. That is why the Lord has not come and fit you in your old age, or have not come and fit you on your deathbed, when this sickness came, that sickness. Because why? Because that has not come to fulfillment yet. God does not do half things. He does things completely. I don't have a half salvation. I don't have a half life. I have an abundant life. So it's up to you, beloved. It's up to you. Some closing quotes. Winners never quit and quitters never win. It always seems impossible until it's done. How long should you try? Until. I love that quote. How long should you try? Pastor, I've been doing this for how, how long? Until. Until what? Until the breakthrough comes. You continue to try until that thing comes. Never give up. No retreat. No surrender. Take the punches because you can take it. You might not think, no, I'm, not, I'm so weak. No, no, you're not. Do you know who you are? You might be small in stature. But do you know who you are in the spirit? Do you know the backup that you have behind you? Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. If they give you the best right hook, fine, take it. Come back again and fight again. Can you imagine a boxer that is not talented, but he can take a lot of punches? Eventually, he will wear out his opponent who's better than him. But he will wear him out and the guy will, his stamina will be down. And then it just takes one little shot from this guy that's not even, you know. That's what you need to see yourself as. If you struggle to see yourself as victorious, just wear the enemy down. There is no failure except in no longer trying. That's the only time when you really fail. If you really want to give somebody the, something the label of failure, is when you no longer try. Then you failed. But until that thing is still there, until it's, you are able to work on it, you haven't failed. It's just a delay, but it's not failure. Only if you give up. You can't beat the person who won't give up. You just can't beat the person who won't give up. That's Babe Ruth, who's a famous baseball player. So somebody that won't give up, you, you, it's difficult to beat them because they're going to be persistent. They're going to be like a nagging chihuahua that's nipping at your angles all the time. If you look at a chihuahua, a lot of people's actually scared of a chihuahua. Not because of its size, but because of that mouth. You know that the teeth is not going to do much harm, but that thing is all over. I've seen big dogs like this. A chihuahua come, that dog runs. Because it intimidates, because they can see who this little thing. I'm, I'm actually looking for him. Where is he? I hear the bark, but I don't see him. Oh, there you. But he just keeps on, keeps on. It's almost as if the chihuahua don't know how small it is. In his mind, he's a lion. It's just from a different perspective, but he's a lion and he's gonna, he's, that, that's the way he's gonna, he's gonna live his life. That's like you. The enemy sees you as a small, little, insignificant thing that he's gonna kick out of the way. But get an attitude. Get an attitude towards the devil. When difficulties come, prepare that attitude already. So that when you're facing this thing, that attitude carries you through. That attitude is it, I can do all things to Christ. Is there anything to 
for God. That's the attitude that you need to have. Never give up on something that you can't go a day without thinking of. What have you given up on? What have you, because of your age or because of where you are in life, you thought, now, okay, this is not going to come to pass anymore. If you're still thinking about it, it means there's still an opportunity. Don't give up. Some of you, your, your calling is aligned to your talent. Some of you, your calling is aligned to sports. It's aligned to music. It's aligned to business. That's your talent, so that's where it's lying in. But because you're looking and you're thinking, I, I should have done it by now, so if I haven't, uh, it's not going to happen. No. God, like me, don't wear a watch like this that I supposed to have on you. We are so consumed with this, uh, this Kronos time. But God works in Kairos. He works in and out of time. So what to you seems as if time has run out, God looks at you, he's watching. No, it's actually, it's, it's fine. You still have enough time, go for it. So I want to encourage you, follow that dream, whatever it is. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain ways to succeed is always to just try one more time. That's Thomas Edison. Survival can be summed up in, in three words. Never give up. You know that we are more than survivors. We are more than overcomers. But this is from a, a secular person, but he, he has sort of an idea. Survival is never give up. And the last quote is, successful men and women keep moving. They make mistakes, but they don't quit. Don't quit. You have a God that if he had a dictionary, the word quit wouldn't be there. You can search for it, quit, and give up. And it's, it's just not in his vocabulary. He just doesn't use that particular language when it comes to describing who he is and what he can do. And this God, this daddy of ours, we are like our father. So we should have the same attitude. Like God, when he did not put up with the devil's nonsense, we should not put up with these. God looked on the earth and saw that mankind was walking in defeat because we didn't have a savior he made another way. Make another way. When Jesus did three days, he's dead, he's gone, he's, 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 he rises again. Resurrection. You have all of these qualities that you are reading about in the Bible. It's not just a story. It's not just a quote that you encourage yourself or your friends and family. That is a window into the character that resides inside of you. Just for you to unlock it. And the best thing is the devil can't do anything about it. Like I said, he didn't give it to you. He has no ownership of it. It doesn't belong to him. It belongs to God. God is your daddy. Your daddy wants the best for you. There we go. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we are reminded that there's nothing, that because there's nothing too hard for you, because there's nothing that's impossible for you, that the very same goes for us, Lord. Lord, I ask that you help us, your people, your church, to walk with the mindset of the victorious. That we know, Father God, that even though we're in the midst of the battle, the battle has already been won, Lord. So I thank you, Father God, that as you are elevating and shifting and moving around as you are ushering in a new season. I thank you, Father God, that you are stirring and moving in the hearts of this people this morning, Father God. Lord, I ask that you reveal to them, Lord, what their destiny is that you have in store for them, Father God. And then you place inside of them a fight of a lion inside of them. Give them the roar of a lion, Father God. The roar of a lion subdues its prey, Lord. So I ask that you help us, Father God. Place inside your people. Give them the roar so when the enemy comes on their path, Lord, with a mighty roar that will subdue him, Lord. Father God, help us, Lord. I ask that you, if the enemy has gotten his way with us, Lord, if we've given him the place, Father God, where that is not rightfully ease, Father, help us to put him back where he belongs, which is under our feet, Lord. Lord, we are designed to crush the head of the serpent. That is our design, our design that you have designed us for, Father God. Let us not use our life in a way that is not being meant by the designer, Lord. So, Father God, we ask, the Lord, that you help us, Lord, 
Help us, energize us for those of us who have forgotten who we are, Lord. Remind us, Lord. Silence the voices, Lord, of those who's trying to derail us, Lord. Those who's trying to bombard us with information and identity that is not even ours, Lord. But we are accepting it because we are hearing it too often. Lord, I ask that you help us to reject that that is not of you, Lord. And to embrace everything that you have. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up his countenance towards you and give you his everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.